Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stacking Growth Podcast. I am Tori Kinlick, a VP of Demand Generation at Refine Labs and your host for today's episode. On this episode, I sat down with my friend and colleague, Sam Keenly, and we talked about shifting budget from demand capture channels to demand creation channels. In particular, Sam walked through a framework that he has built and refined over the years uh, when analyzing paid media campaigns, in particular paid search campaigns. Uh, and this framework allows you to quickly analyze which of your keywords and campaign groups are creating the most leads, opportunities, and revenue, and which ones are not. And you should likely pause and ideally use to free up some of that budget for some of those demand creation efforts that those of us at Refine Labs are often talking about ad nauseum. Uh, so I hope you find the episode helpful and I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. The Stacking Growth podcast has been talking a lot about uh, budget, doing more with less, um, just kind of the current state of the economy, a lot of the challenges that marketers are being faced with right now. Uh, very relevant topic. And so one of the things that um, I wanted to bring Sam on to talk through is uh, some of the conversations and approaches that he has taken or helped other marketers take when trying to shift some budget away from demand capture channels, um, ideally to free it up so that you can utilize it on demand creation efforts, uh, a little bit more of that, that longer term play. And so that's not always the easiest conversation to have, right? There's so many leaders out there that either only have a very fundamental understanding of marketing, uh, you know, maybe they're really focused on direct attribution. And right now with budget cuts going on, um, it's going to be rare for many of us to find ourselves in a situation where we can say, okay, this is the budget that we have for search right now. We want additional budget to go spend on some of that, uh, you know, that, that future facing awareness and, and demand creation efforts. Typically, what we're going to be looking at is, okay, we've got, we've got a pie here. The, pie, the size of the pie doesn't change. We need to figure out how we can utilize more of it uh, in a little bit more of a strategic fashion. And so Sam's got some really cool ideas and um, a bit of a framework that he'll talk through that will help marketers look at their current spend in AdWords uh, and figure out, you know, is there any excess, is there any waste, um, which ideally could kind of free us up to reallocate that budget elsewhere. Um, but before we get into some of those details, I think we'll zoom out just a little bit uh, and kind of, you know, talk about this, this big question that we're trying to answer here, right? And it's about how to get your boss or your leadership team on board with shifting that money. Um, for many of you that have been following along, the demand creation versus demand capture discussion, debate, whatever you want to call it, uh, it's been everywhere lately, and rightfully so. Um, I think the most important thing to understand is it's not quite so binary of you should be doing demand creation or demand capture. Um, ideally, you're doing both and you're doing them both efficiently. Uh, but, you know, there's not a lot of, of non-marketing leaders that are going to be able to, to really understand that thoroughly um, if you kind of put it that way, right? Uh, talking about things like you want to win before Google. Um, you know, that's a phrase I like to use often that, that really seems to resonate with people. 
And I think that uh, that all sounds great, but like we, we said before, you know, you're not just going to be able to, to get that additional budget handed over to you. So I think that if you're in a situation where you need to make the case, um, really first things first is understanding your audience. Are you talking to marketing leaders or non-marketing leaders? For non-marketing leaders, the conversation might actually be a little bit easier, assuming that you've got a good level of trust there. Um, and so I think, you know, simply put, right, it's about the reactive versus proactive advertising. Reactive, those search channels, um, you're waiting for someone to search the relevant terms that you're bidding on, waiting for them to know that they have a problem and take to, uh, you know, a, a search engine to try to identify that problem uh, or a solution to that problem, I should say. Um, whereas proactive advertising, a lot of this kind of, you know, more demand creation that we often talk about that's where you need that long-term mindset. Um, and I think that there's a good way to approach this uh, and there's a not so good way to approach it. So um, Sam, I know that you kind of had some thoughts on, let's say we're talking to some of these non-marketing leaders uh, and you know, what do you think is the best course of action there? Do you want to go in and start talking about cost per leads, cost per conversions? Do you think that stuff's going to resonate? Yeah, I've made this mistake plenty of times. I come prepared with all this data. Here's our click-through rates. Here's our cost per leads. And I watch the exact eyes just glaze right on over. They don't care about cost per lead, to be honest. Like, it's a good metric. But at the end of the day, their concerns are at the business level. What's driving pipeline? What's driving revenue? So if you want to be adding to that conversation and them to be taking you seriously, you need to be showing the impact at that level, not at the cost per lead, click-through rate level. Yeah, no doubt. And, and so... Uh, I think you have spent um, more time than probably most of the, uh, the folks that, that I work with here at Refine Labs really analyzing a lot of paid media spend and, um, and results. Uh, so what are some of the trends that you're seeing right now? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and how does that kind of relate to the, the topic at hand here? Yeah. Um... It's the blessing and curse of Google, right? It's directly attributable. So people know exactly what they think they're getting out of it. Um, it's the race to how can we be as efficient as possible with lower cost per lead, higher click to conversion rate. And while I love Google, I hate Google because they trap marketers in thinking that the lead, the conversion is the end all be all because that's all that it usually connects. That's what most standard marketers end up hooking it into. So what I'll do is I'll audit a number of different B2B SaaS accounts of clients that we work with when they come on. And while they're coming in, sometimes very excited. We have a really low cost per lead. This is working. I'll go in and look. And it's not uncommon for me to see 60 to 75% of them are spending money on keywords that although they convert, they're not turning into pipeline. They're not turning into revenue. So while it looks like it's doing well from a platform standpoint, it's ultimately really inefficient for the company. Yeah, you would think that like, uh, that view, that understanding is, um, is, is critical for, for all marketers to be taken a look at. But uh, oftentimes that's not the case. Too many um, other marketers, other agencies, other uh, you know, digital campaign managers are oftentimes optimizing exclusively for those conversions. Uh, and what we know is that those conversions you know, are almost a bit of a a cosmetic stat. Um, certainly they can be a good indicator for success, but what's really important is what's happening to those, those leads, uh, those conversions, once they enter your, your sales funnel, once they get into your CRM. And so 
uh, analyzing things exclusively on the paid media channels is going to only give you a, a fraction of the picture. Um, and the the better approach, right, is to look at that information, but, you know, couple it with what's happening inside the CRM. Um, and so at a, you know, 50,000 foot view, right, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds really easy to do. Uh, but I know that there's a whole lot more nuance to it than that. And so um, in some of the conversations that you and I have been having recently, I know that you had a, uh, an example that you like to run through, um, which I think is, is really going to provide a little bit of this framework, this guidance for our audience here. And uh, I think um, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but you might even have some visual aids here to, to uh, walk through any of those that might be catching this on video, um, but I'm sure you'll, you'll do an a effective job at, at kind of talking it through for the folks that are just listening in today. Yeah, so I love a good framework, love a good template. How do we make this repeatable for customers as, as we want to continue to do this? So yeah, I'll walk through it. I'll do a screen share with you and I. Um, hopefully the team will be able to, to get that into video format. We'll also post the link to it for anyone who wants to steal it. Feel free, just clone it and you can do whatever you want with it. So I'll pull that up and then I'll also make sure that I'm, that I'm talking through it. So for those who aren't watching on video are not missing a beat. So while this is loading up, I believe you should be able to see a beautiful little template coming up. So to tee this one up, um, the, the core things that we'll need in order to run this type of analysis is that the, that's the one beauty of Google Ads is that since it is direct response, you should have a good bit of data already to work with since you're using scripts, UTMs, other things to capture this type of information. So this is where we say, if you want to get your boss on board, use data to your advantage. So when we get into the, the Google side of it, what we want to look into is we have an example here. And I'm um, using the example of Drift. They're not a customer. Um, just most people know Drift, the category of chatbots, conversational AI, conversational marketing, however they want to be known as. So using this as an example for, for people to just see how we like to structure accounts and how we'll want to look at the analysis itself for, for getting into each of these campaigns. So a typical paid search structure, if you're looking at column A here, we usually look at four different campaign levels. The first is brand keywords. So this is going to be things like Drift or where they're using the brand name as part of the search. The second is high intent non-brand keywords. So these will be more at the category level or the software pain level. So it's going to be something like chatbot software. Third category is the low to mid intent non-brand keywords. So that's going to be something just like chatbot, sales enablement. So the difference between high intent, low intent is people may just be looking for what is a chatbot instead of I want chatbot software. So they're looking to solve for that pain. And that's a big difference there. And then the fourth one, um, if you have enough budget, we often see a lot of, of customers and organizations in the B2B space going after some competitor terms. So in this example, intercom is a, is a common competitor to drift. So we have in some keywords at that level. So now that we've got that outline laid out for what the account structure is often going to look like, we'll want to start getting into the data itself. So again, since it's easily attributable, you should be able to pull this out of your CRM if you've been leveraging tracking scripts through things like HubSpot or UTMs and then plugging that into your marketing automation platform. So what I like to do is start at the CRM level. I like to filter for all leads, which are the conversions that Google's calling them from the past 12 months, at least, that came through paid search. So this will account for longer sales cycles, seasonality for the full year. 
and then uh, export that out. And so what you'll then have is the lifecycle stage. So how many of those that came in through those UTMs turned into leads? How many turned into opportunities? How many turned into customers? One thing to keep in mind is that the number is going to be smaller as you work down the way. So although there were five customers, that means that technically that keyword did generate 80 leads in this example of drift. So you'll just want to make sure that you're not being literal with that and, and working back to say, okay, if there were five customers, that means there were 20 opportunities, 80 leads in the, the first line example. So uh, Sam, just for a, a point of clarity here. So um, earlier we were kind of talking through how uh, not all of the data that's going to be critical to this analysis is going to be available inside the platform. So um, for those of us that are, or for those of you that are, are, are just listening in today, maybe you could just kind of give a, a quick overview of the, the structure of your template here um, and some of those data points that you're looking at, lead, opportunity, and customer, and where you would typically source that information from. Yeah, great question. So those would be coming straight out of your, your CRM, your marketing automation platform. So um, often when you have an, a lead or an opportunity record, uh, when it does become closed one deal or closed loss deal, you'll have this life cycle stage that's in there. And so that's going to be updated as it goes on. So as a lead is converted, um, there's common reports in Salesforce. So lead with opportunity object information, opportunity with X information. So you can go through and start to look at that. So you can start to align how many, um, when we get it into like a pivot table type thing, how many of each stage are mapping over to the individual keywords or campaigns. Yeah, that's thank you. That's that's really helpful. And I think, um, you know, the the thing that's probably most important to understand here is that um, the lead that we're talking about is truly one that is uh, identified as such inside your CRM. Um, if you're looking just at conversions on the platform, actually, this is kind of a, a relevant example of feeling very meta right now. But for instance, for those of you that have Drift or another chatbot on your website, um, you might be tracking conversions for uh, when that chat window opens and fires. Um, that might be looked at or, or tracked as a conversion inside your AdWords account. Uh, probably not the ideal one, right? Because you want someone to complete that. Um, if you have a thank you page, it, it's a much better way to track that conversion. But um, most important thing to understand is that a conversion on the ad platform is not always equal to a lead inside your CRM. So I think that that's really important for everyone here to understand um, and certainly is going to make the analysis here uh, much more accurate if you are pulling this information from your CRM, because that way you at least know that um, whatever happened when that person converted on the, uh, on the, the AdWords campaign, um, you know that it was at least good enough to make it into your CRM if that's where you're, you're pulling your information and sourcing your data from. So. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a, a great starting point here that, that we're looking at is, um, is just understanding that some of this information is going to come from your CRM. Uh, some of it might come directly from the ad platforms, but it's best to kind of try to marry these two together. Exactly. And that's why I am far from an Excel master by any means. This is a basic pivot table, and that's exactly what we're doing is we're marrying the CRM data. So the UTM is a lifecycle stage. And then we're mapping and pulling over some of that platform data so we can understand the spend, the conversions, everything else from there so we can see how effective is this at the end of the day. 
So what you'll see in the, the visual here is we have campaign, keywords, lifecycle stage. And then after that, we add in some additional rows or additional columns that speak to things like keyword spend. So for each keyword, how much was spent during the time frame? At the aggregate campaign level, how much was spent on that full campaign? And that's going to allow us to look at what's the cost per lead once we know how many leads there are by the keyword um, and do some additional calculations, which is where this is going to start to get interesting. So what I like to do is start with the campaign level. So as we said earlier, say we have four campaigns, brand, high intent, non-brand, low intent, brand, non-brand, and competitor. What we'll do is we'll look at in that time frame, I'll go into Google Ads and see how much was spent on brand campaigns. So for the example of here, I say, okay, they've spent $36,000 during this time frame on branded keywords. And then what I wanna know is how much of that 36,000 was spent on each individual keyword. So if you're running a single keyword or a single theme ad group, you should be able to get to this data. So say we've got three different branded keywords that have at least triggered some type of lead for us over the past year. So say we spent $20,000 on Drift, $10,000 on Drift Chatbot, $5,000 on Drift Demo. You would see that that means that those three keywords that have generated leads make up 35,000 out of 36,000 total campaign spend. So what that's telling us is that 35,000 generated lead spend, $1,000 did not generate any leads over that first course of time. So that's your first area that you can start to look at. That's some inefficient spend. We can probably pull that out if over a course of a year, none of those keywords contributed anything. So they're not gonna show up in this report since this is pulling CRM data. So what you'll do is you'll hop into Google AdWords and you'll see, okay, if Drift, Drift Chatbot, Drift Demo, all generated leads, and we also have Drift Pricing, Drift Alternative, or, or something else in there, you can pause those keywords effectively if they haven't done anything for 12 months, or you can think about how should you be optimizing those. Maybe your landing page experience isn't as good, but what that's signaling is that's some inefficient spend where if you wanted to pull something out, you could pull it from that one versus some of the others right off the top. So from there, what we'll do is we'll look at leads into opportunities, pipelines. So this is where we're gonna start marrying that back over to the CRM side. And so what we'll do here is we'll say, okay, of the 80 leads that came in from Drift, we knew that 20 turned into opportunities. So of those, that means that we had a lead to opportunity conversion rate of 25%. And now we can calculate out the cost per opportunity of that. So we knew that we spent $20,000 on that keyword. If we had 25% convert to opportunities, 20 opportunities, that means that we have a $1,000 cost per opportunity. So looking down a level to start looking at efficiencies past the cost per lead, we start getting into qualified ops, pipeline, everything else. And then similar to what we did with the leads, we can see were there any keywords in here that did not turn into opportunities? And if so, find those in, the, in Google Ads and you can start to pull those out and say, okay, well, they might be good at driving leads, but not opportunities. We don't see this often in brand. Brand is usually pretty, pretty good at driving leads, opportunities, and pipeline. Um, you'd see that through this full sheet. But when you get into some of the, the lower intent non-brand terms, competitor terms, you'll often see a very big drop-off between how many are leads and then do any turn into opportunities. So um, a really strong example of that would be comparing chatbot software, which is high intent to just chatbot itself. So in the example here, what we say is that during the time frame, chatbot software, we spent $40,000 on that keyword, it drove 40 leads. So $1,000 cost per lead. Chatbot, we say we'd spend 
$30,000 and it drove 120 leads. So that's saying that we spent $250 at a cost per lead. So if you're comparing those, like most marketers, this was me not too long ago, you'd say chatbot is way more efficient and effective than chatbot software. We're getting four leads for the price of one chatbot software. We should put more money into that. And this is where the light bulb usually goes off when you start tracking it further down the funnel, because if you follow those, what you'll see is that, okay, so of those 120 chatbot leads, you, you might see 4% convert to opportunities being a little bit generous. So those 120 leads now turn into five total opportunities. So what that means is take $30,000, divide that by five, and now all of a sudden you're looking at a $6,000 cost per op. Compare that to chatbot software where you probably have a much stronger conversion rate from lead to opportunity since that's high intent. We usually see it's about 30%. So of those 40 leads, 12 opportunities. And so what that then number comes out to is you take the $40,000 keyword spend, divide that by 12, and now you're looking at um, just over $3,000 cost per op. So that quickly flipped, right? You had chatbot before it, four for one on chatbot software, but now chatbot software, you're getting two ops or the price of one op at chatbot. And this is this is such a prime example of, of uh, exactly why people should not be optimizing for cost per lead. Um, this is, this is, it, it's all spelled out right here for us. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at cost per lead for some of these low intent keywords um, and everything looks great until you start looking at how those things are converting into legitimate opportunities and ideally sales qualified opportunities even further down the funnel. Uh, and at that point, now, when you see it all mapped out like this, you might start to follow why so many of us at Refine Labs are constantly re-emphasizing that you want to be focusing on high intent keywords and the high intent modifiers on Google, not the low intent ones. And it's not because you're not going to generate leads, it's because you're not going to be generating pipeline from it. Uh, and, and I think that this is just a beautiful example of exactly that. Yeah, no, you're spot on. And so you can continue that further. So as we scroll over, we could see the same thing. Opportunity to closed one. Even if they have a pretty similar opt-to-closed runway, usually the higher intent have a slightly higher win rate just because they are more primed, they're ready to talk. So 25% win rate on those. Say, you know, you have a killer sales team and say that that chatbot one that was the lower intent, win that at 20%. By the time that you work out to the customer acquisition cost, you're looking at about $30,000 for chatbot versus just over $13,000 for chatbot software. So this is where I say, this is what's going to intrigue your boss, your executives, when you can start to show the impact to the bottom line of what's this mean for our business, for pipeline, for customer acquisition costs, because say your product costs $15,000 ARR. Looking at these two customer acquisition costs, that's the difference between having a payback in two years versus having a payback in less than one year. So if you know how long you usually retain customers, that's a very different margin model that that's what your leadership is going to care about at the end of the day and will help to invest more or start to educate them on where should we be putting money if this isn't efficient at the lead level. Yeah, and and when you were uh, kind of teeing up the subject before, right, we talked about that, especially when you're talking to non-marketing leaders, they don't care about our click-through rate metrics and our cost per lead metrics, but finance executives will absolutely care about the cost to acquire customer metric. That one is probably the exception uh, for the, the one metric that um, marketing leaders and finance leaders can all agree on matters a whole lot. 
and that's how much you have to spend to acquire a customer. And um, and again, the data here it's it's plain as day. Uh, you know, lower, much lower cost to acquire a customer for these high intent keywords, uh, the branded keywords, of course. Um, and not so much the story for those low intent. And uh, I would say pretty rare that you're going to see um, some of those those competitive keywords also uh, showing that that direct line attribution. There is a, certainly a play yeah. for the, the competitive campaigns, but that might be a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's always a time from. But yeah, I mean, that's what's that's what's tricky is, you know, Google is a business at the end of the day. So they want you to spend with them. So being able to go and follow the data all the way through is what's really going to help empower you as a marketer with this. So um, back to earlier when you were you were saying, you know, are there any like insights or, or anything else? So when I said you usually see 60 to 70% of spend on non-pipeline, you'll see in here, there's a very large difference between brand and high intent non-brand and low mid intent non-brand and competitor in terms of what does not turn into pipeline. So the brand, the high intent non-brand, they turn into pipeline at much higher rates. There's less volume here. So that's why people always say we want more, but knowing that they're going to turn into pipeline for you is why this is always better than the low intent, the competitor where you'll get a lot of leads, but one out of four maybe will turn into pipeline. So that's where we have to really do that comparison to understand what is best for my, my business and, and my marketing strategy at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And and so for all of our listeners here today, you now have the framework to look at all of the the spend that you're that you're investing into these search channels and quickly identify where you're being a little bit wasteful, where you can free up some budget for other areas whether you're just in a cost conservation mode, whether you're trying to make the case to focus more on some of those proactive channels and, and demand creation efforts. Um, this is a great way to do it. And so uh, with that, Sam, any kind of high level takeaways or summary points you want to offer everyone here before we, we wrap it up? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to get repetitive with this, but focus on down funnel more than the cost per lead. I mean, that's what's what's keeping your business driving at the end of the day. So being able to get to that is what will take you to the next level as a marketer. And then thinking from your boss, your leadership standpoint, when you go into these types of meetings is knowing like, what do they care about? And how do I get to the data that's going to validate this so that they understand where I'm coming from? Again, click the rates isn't what's going to convince them. It's going to be able, it's going to be the ability to show this type of data, this type of insight. So here's the data. Here's the insight. Here's the recommendation. If you can go to them with something like that, that's when they're going to be on board with making this type of change. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And my key takeaway is uh, if you're not already doing it, follow Sam Keenly on LinkedIn because he is dropping knowledge bombs like this uh, on a daily basis on the LinkedIn platform and asking nothing in exchange for it. So um, a great marketer and all around good guy too. So Sam, thank you so much for joining today, walking everyone through this framework and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, this has been fun. Looking forward to uh, hearing from you all. So if y'all do this analysis, let us know how it goes. Thanks, everyone.